What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the Edison Club podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Today, joined by co-host Ty Payne, as well as special guest, a true hero. Hero, what's going on, man? Just another day, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for welcoming me on the Edison podcast, and let's talk about Diva Hero. All right, cool. Let's do it. Um, well, I I started playing Diva Hero when I first got into Edison format because it was like at that time it was pretty cheap to invest in because absolute zeros weren't like super expensive. But um I ended up playing Lightsworn um after that, but Ty has been on Diva Hero like hardcore for like the past two months lately. Yes. I've been I I've been absolutely loving the deck and it it's really it's it's really all thanks to you Cairo that like without like with how much like with all with the advice you've given me and like just your words of encouragement has helped has helped me a lot no problem I'm glad to hear it it's funny Mike how you mentioned about how you got into Diva Hero early because the prices of absolute zeros weren't too expensive at that time but these days if you go on like TCG player eBay or any other card website, Absolute Zero has gone through the roof. And I remember a while ago seeing like a Discord thread and someone brought that to my attention and they're like, a true hero is the reason why Absolute Zero has gone up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. A true hero is literally the reason why I can no longer afford to play Diva Hero. <laughs> no. But even myself, I don't have like the... Uh, the fancy absolute zeros i think i have like the cheapest diva heroes like my deck is not like very blinged out i see players with like alti caiuses and like just the highest rarity of every diva hero card and me it's like my deck's mid-range hopefully one day i can get up there and like have some ice because ice is nice but you know whether it's common super alti ultra they all do the same thing yeah it does the same thing it got you to the uh finals of the time wizard tournament at nats this year so indeed common diva hero for the win right <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i always make, know, always make, always make the... no no go ahead i, I was just I'm, gonna say I'm... like it's it's funny because it's like when you're playing against someone right you kind of get a gauge for their skill level based off of what you can see like the material items they have like for example if you're around one opponent has like a spellgrounds match, then you know <laughs> you know you're in for like a ride, right? Yeah. But if you're going against someone who has like a paper mat, then you're like, oh well, this this person isn't anyone to be respected. And like my cars, because they're like so common, basically, like no one would think like, oh, this guy, he's just another Yu-Gi-Oh player. Yeah, we um we went to that tournament the night before Nats uh, at that little store. I was watching everyone play and I was watching Frazier play and someone was like, you know, that guy over there, that's, that's a true hero. I looked over and I was like, that guy's here. I'm like, that is insane. That dude came all the way here. That was so cool. Yeah, man, that was a trip all the way out from South Korea. So for those of you who don't know, actually I'm an ESL English as a second language teacher in Seoul, South Korea. And I've been living out here since 2016. So it's been quite a minute. Wow. And I pretty much gave up on Yu-Gi-Oh! But then when Edison format kind of like revitalized, I decided to get back in it. And Fraser and I, we kind of like tackled the format together. He got into it just a bit before me, but for the most part, we got into it around the same time. And yeah, I did fly all the way from Korea to America just to participate in the Ultimate Time Wizard event. I got second place at the tournament that you're speaking of. I made it to the finals in that, but then wound up losing against Black Wings, GYBU in the finals. And then, uh, of course, as you know, for the timers of the event itself, got second place as well, losing against Matt Kalinda on Bayou Turbo. Yeah, that was... Found oh, out that sorry, you... Ty, go ahead. I know when I, found, when I found out that you were there, Cairo, I like I was absolutely like losing my losing my mind i was just like what I was, just, <laughs> I was just like i was like i was so excited i was just like i actually get to meet this guy this is gonna be so cool dude you were so chill too and i remember one of the final things that we said to each other was like we need to come together and do a video and even though we still haven't done a video together yet i'm happy that we're here together on this podcast 
but I'm still open to do a video with you as well. Like we are going to make it happen. Oh yeah, de definitely, definitely. Uh, it's like my main reason, like it's just I like it, you know, as you know, it's probably it when it comes to play, like playing in tournaments and like trying to do content creation. It like it like trying to balance the both is is kind of, it gets it gets hard at times, like because you want to like grind for uh grind these tournaments and then like you like forget oh i didn't do any videos today yep that's exactly it so myself i decided i only upload once a week because you know i commend the youtubers like for example keegan frazier carpath etc who upload on a more daily basis like commend mm -hmm. to them hats off because without all of their hard work the edison community might be starved for videos but me, I can only deliver once a week because it's just too much. Like I want to be a competitor and a content creator. And a lot of players, they either choose either content creation or being a competitor, right? So people right. like Fraser and myself, we're one of the few people who kind of like really do both, right? It's not easy. No, it's not. Like me and me and Mike for like really the, the entire year like we haven't played in a lot of like online tournaments but like the like all the IRL tournaments have like been like like close to us i think right. like mike you like mike you got to go to philadelphia this year but like yeah yeah we don't that, we don't talk like, about other, that tournament <laughs> like, <laughs> other than that like we like every tournament that we can make IRL, like we are, we are there. Like we've been yeah. grind, like just on the grind all like really all year. I've been yeah. following you. You've been doing quite well actually with Diva Hero at these IRL tournaments. I've, I've been trying, I've been trying to make you proud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would, I, mean, I would say that you have made him proud. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, anyone who ever has any questions about diva hero right you don't have to be Thai. like i'm not like you know someone to be scared of just reach out to me on discord or if discord's given an issue facebook like i'm always down to offer diva hero advice tips anything like just reach out to me because i want the edison community as a whole to grow and that, that's another reason like circling back to youtube right why i started a youtube channel because like i don't want to keep all the knowledge to myself like if I can help somebody excel and become better at Edison format, then like, I'm okay with that. Cause for the most part, you know, I've accomplished many things in my Yu-Gi-Oh career. And like, if my Yu-Gi-Oh career were to end today, I could be happy, right? I could be happy. So I just want other people to grow and kind of see the sort of success that like Mike, Ty and myself has seen. Uh, I, I would, I would, I would agree with that. that uh, 100%. And like, it, like, it, if your career did end today, like you, like you, you would, you would end as the most decorated Edison player. Like it's not even, it's not even close. Thanks, man. Bro, this, this podcast was supposed to be us asking him questions, but we've just been like his two personal hype men, like the first eight minutes into this. <laughs> <laughs> we've been like the cheerleaders, right, the you know, then. bring on the questions. I got the answers. Cause I'm sure that there's a lot of questions and the listeners want to hear what I have to say. Ty, would you like to ask a question first or would you like for me to go first? Oh, I can go first. Give me okay. one second. Sweet. Go ahead. All right. All right. So, Kyra, I know, like, I know, like, you know, it, like, the world knows that you're probably the biggest, like, hero player in, in, in Edison format. So, like, you, I, I, but, like, we also all know that you, uh, that you play, uh, Black Wings from time to time and you've done really well. You, uh, top one of the RBT, uh, RBTs with it as well. Um, other than it being one of the best decks, like what, like what was it that attracted you to play play black, uh, like play Black Wings as a as an Edison deck? Because I know, the, uh, if so, I remember correctly, you played Black Wings during the uh, original Edison too, correct? Yeah, actually, you answered the question. <laughs> you answered the question. What drew me to Black Wings in the modern Edison format, right? So when I say mm -hmm. modern Edison format, I'm referring to once Keegan brought it back to the scene, right? So in 2010 Edison, I played Black Wings. And that was like my main Edison format deck. So now when Edison came back, modern Edison format, I was like, well, I can't abandon my old deck. Like I love Black Wings, but also I love heroes. And my love for heroes grew over time, whereas my love for Black Wings did not. Because heroes throughout the years, they continued to receive support. 
And it wasn't until recently that Black Wings actually got support. Like in modern format, like I think one, two, or three sets ago, like Black Wings got support, but like they're terrible. You know what I mean? Like you don't right. hear anyone like topping an event with Black Wings in like 2023, 2022. But at least with Heroes, uh, Nathan Christian, if you're a modern format player, then you know this name, right? He actually top nationals. He came in top 32 with modern heroes. So the point that I'm making is the reason why I play um, Diva Hero now is because heroes continue to receive support throughout the years, and that made my love for heroes grow. But even though this was the case, I never forgot about my first love, which was Black Wings, and that's why I also play Black Wings currently. Okay. Yeah, that's about, that's, that's about the same same for me, like I, when I during original Edison, I played Black Wings as well. Like I played that deck religiously, and to the like, I started playing it again after a while, like because it was it was pretty expensive when I got when we got into Edison, and then like the reprints came uh, came out, and then I started playing it again. And the thing about uh, the thing about it was like it was like it was cool, like it was getting me like you know tops here and there it's just like it got it kind of got boring so that's why yes. that's why i picked up started picking up diva hero i was like this deck's crazy it's funny because almost every black wing player that i know regardless of skill level they all say that black wings are very linear and very boring and i get it like <laughs> it's yeah. definitely not like you know a very stylish deck right you don't get many cool points for it but I don't know. I just like Black Wings. I like the ability to be able to swarm the field. My style of play is generally like OTK decks. Like I just want to kill you as fast as possible. And Diva here on Black Wings, they both fall into that range. But of course, you know, the more you play Yu-Gi-Oh, then you have to realize that having a style isn't actually a thing, right? It's just playing the deck as optimally as you can. So there are times you need to play control. There are times you need to play uh aggro there are times you need to play like passive so it always depends but at the end of the day black wings and diva hero those are my two top edison decks i agree same same with me <laughs> i just picked up black wings like a month ago for the first time never played the deck i've always played trapless decks for all of my experience through edison i played light sworn frogs dragon turbo stuff like that so i'm like Wow, you mean like if I brick, I can have trap cards and I don't immediately just lose the game? <laughs> yeah, and the thing about Black Wings that has been said before by many different players, Black Wings is a deck that can take you farther than your level of skill. Basically, the deck can be stronger than the player. There are Black Wing players that are very proficient at playing it, but even like an average person, if they open up Whirlwind plus Black Wing, getting pluses every single turn, it's really hard to lose the game. So if you're like, you know, just not a top level player, but you're up against someone who opens up Whirlwind Shore, for example, it's going to be a hard matchup. And that's one of the Blackwing's advantages. There's so many good cards in the deck. Dark Arm, Blizzard, which could turn into Brio or Goyu, Whirlwind, Shora, like Icarus Attack. All these cards by themselves, it's really hard to play them in a very poor way. So Black Wings can really carry a lot of players to the top. Oh yeah, for sure. It like Black Wings is one of those decks. Like I can like the way the like with how Black Wing is, like how you said it's like it can be more the deck can be more powerful than the player. It reminds me of Dark World and Modern in that aspect, because it can be it's one of those decks that can masquerade the player to uh to look like they're the best player in the room just with like a little bit of luck on what they drew yep. for their hand that's right and yeah i mean i agree with you completely and i heard correct me if i'm wrong because i don't follow the modern scene like closely but i heard that a popular card in modern Yu-Gi-Oh these days is eradicator epidemic virus so what they've been doing is like they've been summoning like these big dark monsters and then like eradicating you and calling like spells and then, like the opponents, most of the, from what I heard, top decks are spell heavy. They just lose on the spot. Yeah, exactly. Like it, I, I can confirm that because I'm playing, I'm playing Eradicator in my Dark World deck, like as we speak. Eradicator Turbo, <laughs> hand rip, take your yeah. whole hand, and then eradicate you yeah. for whatever you missed. Yeah, yeah we, don't, mean, we, don't, we don't talk about Dark World. 
I think decks <laughs> or rather cards that hit the hand are the strongest cards in Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, think about it, right? When you start playing Yu-Gi-Oh and you're going second, you're going second, what is the number one card you don't want your opponent to have as a, you know, going first? I feel like I need to put the Jeopardy music here. I know, right? You got <laughs> so you're going second. You're going second. Your opponent's on the back row. What card do you not want that to be? Trap dust shoot. Uh, no, yeah, no. exactly. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, trap dust shoot. Right. My, my, my so, mind went honestly, to modern Yu-Gi-Oh at first, and I was like, I was like sweating, like the Jordan Peele meme. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like what card in modern do I not want them to set? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. I was like, wait, what what, what card in modern? Yeah, do I right, have right. That, that's my bad. I should have clarified Edison format. That's my bad. Yeah, right? definitely <laughs> trap dust shoot. You're good, yeah, buddy. Edison, right? Trap dust shoot. You know, because cards that give information about your opponent's hand are so powerful, and that's why for nationals, I was main decking, mind crush, trap dust shoot, deck devastation virus, all three, and it's because if you have knowledge of your opponent's hand. It is very, very difficult to lose. It's very difficult to lose. Yeah, there yeah, are so it, many it, games it. where I've had dust shoot flipped. I mean, I have won some dust shoot games, but the majority of them, the game just immediately goes downhill. Yeah, that's right. Mike, that's do you like, want to tell? Do you want to tell Cairo about our about our match at that Switch tournament in the finals? Where uh, uh, about the deck <laughs> devastation virus? Oh my gosh, dude. I still to this day do not know how I won that match. We played in Swiss and it was Frog Monarch versus Diva Hero. And mm -hmm. anytime this man would go Diva Cataster, I'm like, yeah, this game's over. Like, I didn't know Edison Format could feel that way. But <laughs> I think he, he deck devied me game one and I was like, what is this? When did this become a thing? You know, luckily he didn't hit a ton of cards. But so I beat him in Swiss and then we play in the finals that night and I finally got to do the substitute um, scapegoat thing you know it's like plus infinite straight right. into deck Devi exactly you're talking about it's very good yeah oh and then into deck Devi into deck Devi because I was like well he probably wow. would have flipped it already if he had it no this man waited he hit me for like nine cards <laughs> that's wild <laughs> yeah he hit me for like nine cards and I don't even remember the game state we got to. We got to where neither one of us had anything and it was like whoever drew a monster and I remember I drew like double Vanity's Fiend back to back and that was the only reason that I was able to win. But I was I was sweating, dude. I definitely shouldn't have won that game. If we had replayed that, there's no way I win that. Yeah, Deck Devi is an amazing card and it's interesting that it was more impactful that particular game because Ty played it very well by like waiting for the scapegoat. But generally, Deck Devi is stronger game one than it is games two and three. And the reason is simple because game one, you're not going to expect it. Also, game one, your deck is built to beat players, not to beat Deck Devi, to be, but to beat the majority of players. Yeah. And games two and three, when you know you're up against full, but game one, what can you do? There's nothing you can do about it, right? So Deck Devi is still a great card games two and three, but much more powerful game one. And, you know, I remember I did a deck profile and then people were commenting on the like YouTube video saying like Deck Devi is not that great. And at the end of the day, everyone's going to have their own opinion. But my opinion about Deck Devi is one, you get hand knowledge. So even if you don't hit that many cards out of your hand, the hand knowledge alone could be enough to win you the game. Two, Let's think about a card that's on the ban list, right? Time Seal. Time Seal is banned in Edison format. I don't think the card's that great, but regardless, it's banned. And for those of you who don't know what Time Seal does, it skips your opponent's next draw phase. So Deck Devi essentially does the same thing. If you draw into like a Raikou or like a Hamster or anything that's under 1500, well, you just got Time Sealed. And you're not getting Time Sealed once. You're getting Time Sealed up to three times, depending on yeah. when Deck Devi was activated, you know? So if a card like that, skip your opponent's next draw phase is banned and Deck Devi ultimately can do that up to three times, I think Deck Devi is a way more impactful card. And of course, you know, there are slight differences. Like if cards go to the graveyard, effects can trigger such as Dandelion, Necro Gardener, Plague, 
or even you could put monsters in your grave to fuel a pot of Abrise, activate Vayu's effect, things like that. So it is a little different than Time Seal. But the point is, the effect of skipping the draw phase essentially re remains the same. Yeah, I haven't really thought about it in regards to something like Time Seal, but that makes a lot of sense. It really does. Yeah, this is so, this is why we scrub out Ty. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, to be honest with you, the reason why I've seen a lot of success with Diva Hero because people are like, "Oh, True Hero!" Like you know, you top with Diva Hero a lot, and I'm not the only one. And I also want to take the time out to give shout out to Siltus Ruin because he played the deck first and he did well in the beginning, and then like I really kind of uh, innovated the deck because a lot of people don't know. But when Silchus Ruin played Diva Hero, he didn't play Dark Arm Dragon. And uh, I was joking around with, um, you know, Ludo. And uh, he was like, yeah, you innovated Dark Arm Dragon and Diva Hero. And I was like, actually, I did. And I pulled up the deck list from RBT. And at that time, Diva Hero didn't even play Dark Arm, right? So, but anyway, wow. still shout outs to Silchus Ruin because he, he played it first. And then myself. And then the last Diva Hero that player that you have to mention, of course, is Oscar Ruano, right? Uh, I believe Cali Native, he's done so well with the deck. He's the innovator of the defensive Diva Hero deck. And nice. I mean, Diva Hero has really, really taken a turn. And then recently, uh, Benjamin, right? Benjamin, he topped with Diva Hero, not top, but rather won. He won the YCS in Germany with a build similar to Oscar Ruano's build. But he also took some notes from me too. So these days we can see more diva hero players like springing up and of course you tie right like diva hero has really really taken off from where it was before oh yeah for sure for definitely uh um i'm still gunning for for my first place spot mm -hmm. <laughs> hopefully it's the 5k right but where i was going with my train of thought was you know people see my success and they're like wow like i want to do it too but and anyone can right i just named a bunch of people who have done it right but I've put so much time into the deck. It's kind of like, if you know Usain Bolt, he's like the fastest man alive. And there's a quote by him, and I'm not going to quote it as elegantly as him, but like people see him run for 30 seconds and they're like, wow, that's amazing. You're the fastest man in the world. But what they don't see is the amount of time and effort that he put in order to run that distance in 30 seconds, right? Like how much training he did, how much he was at the gym, how much he ran, how much blood, sweat, and tears went into his work effort, right? And same thing with me and Diva Hero, right? Like, I have grinded that deck out so much, right? And people don't really see the hours that I, I put into it. You know, I've played a lot of Dueling Book because here in Korea, I can't, like, play IRL. But I've just tested every single aspect of it with my friends, with on the Dueling Book um, ladder, if you will, like playing rated games, playing non-rated games. Like I played it so much until I figured out what works and what doesn't work. And like, that's what it really takes to be successful, not just in Edison format with Diva Hero, but with anything really. Like you have to put in the time and the work and then you'll begin to see the results. Yu-Gi-Oh is a game of variance. So like sometimes, you know, things won't always go your way, but it's about consistency. If you're consistently putting in the work, if you're consistently putting in the time, no matter what deck you're playing, as long as it's a top deck, right? You're going to see results in that you're going to start topping more and more frequently. Yeah, me and right. Ty had this conversation like two days ago. He was feeling a little down you're about than me. Um, huh? I said you're faster than me. Oh, I was is that what you were about thing. to talk about? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was feeling a little down after our uh, switch tournament we went to a couple weeks ago, and um, I just told him I said, you know, I got dogged at every tournament I went to playing Lightsworn for forever i went all the way to uh philadelphia to play in that ps5 event i went like oh and four you know and eventually i started to see like the more that i would play and the more that i would just wouldn't get upset when i would lose the more i'd try to learn from something the better i would start to get so it'd be like you know i'd start getting like 12th place and then 10th place and then eighth place and so forth and so forth it's just a lot of time that you have to put into it, and eventually you start to recognize the situations that you're put in because you're like, wow, I've been here before. I know how to handle this. Right. That's exactly right. It really does come down to that. Like for me, if you ever play, have an opportunity to play me in real life, 
which many people won't because of the distance. But even if you play me on Dueling Book, you'll notice that I play very fast, like very fast. And I'm not advocating for fast play because fast play generally leads to misplays, right, typically. But the reason why I can do my plays and actions so fast is because I've been in these situations so many times before, so many times before. It's like to the point where like it's second nature. I know exactly what to do, what to summon, what my opponent likely has, and what outcomes to expect if I do this particular action. So it becomes, you know, second nature, as I just said, and you really just have to put yourself in that situation. And there's a difference, right? It's like some people learn through like trial and error, and that was me. I learned by just playing it again and again and again and again. And some people learn through other people's experiences, right? Like you can just watch and learn. And like, you know, that's why people learn through books, right? Through other people's experiences. So there's so many ways to learn, but you can't get down on yourself. The moment you start being depressed and thinking that, oh, I'm a bad player, you're not going to see what you want. And in life with anything, right? You're not always going to be the best. You're not always going to see what you want to see. And it can be good to take a break from the game, right? From Yu-Gi-Oh! There's nothing wrong with like missing a tournament or like taking a week or two off and just like remembering why you played. And it happens too with like a lot of top players. So I like to follow a lot of different competitive games, right? And I know it seems like I'm going on a tangent, but there's a point to this. And one of the uh, games that I follow is Super Smash Brothers Melee. And in Melee, the top players were the top for the longest of times, right? Like for example, Mango, he might be a name you might've heard of if you followed the game a bit or like Mewtwo King, right? Yeah. And these were literally in their time, some of the best players, but what happened over time, they got burned out. It happens even to the best, they got burned out and they needed to take time off away from the game because we all started Yu-Gi-Oh! Every person who ever played Yu-Gi-Oh! No one started Yu-Gi-Oh! with the idea of, I want to be the best. You started because you like the game. You genuinely like the game. And then over time, your like for the game turns into maybe a desire of wanting to be the best, right? And then that can be a motivation and there's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, don't forget your love for the game. And when we look at these top players in other games, they forget their love for the game. It just becomes a job to them. And then it's meaningless, right? They can't perform the way that they were performing before because it's just a job. They've forgotten the love for the game. And us as players, right, we all want to do well, but we need to remember why did we start playing Yu-Gi-Oh! first? Because we genuinely just love the game or the community or the people, right? But the point is, don't forget why you started doing it. Remember that. And then take time off if you need and get back into it. You ever right, considered right. going into uh, motivational speaking before? <laughs> that was like like a little tear coming down from my eye. I'm like I can do anything, you know. Like I look at I look at three wolves in my opening hand, and I'm like I can do this, you know. I can get there. <laughs> I save I save my motivational speaking for my 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 little Korean kids. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was yeah that was amazing. I definitely agree it with was. everything you said. Same. Yeah. So. I mean, it's been a, a long road, definitely um, playing Diva Hero. And I'm happy that I was able to meet like a lot of good people along the way. And my friends have really been supporting me throughout everything. But anyway, let's move on to the next question. What else do you guys want to know? Okay, so I have one here. And you maybe you kind of went over this a little bit already, but I'll still uh, pick your brain about it here. Every everybody that's ever played Yu-Gi-Oh, or at least any anyone that's ever played it competitively, has gotten to a point where you went from being bad, I guess, to being like kind of okay to good to great. And I'll definitely say that you're in the the great category now. But how do you feel like you worked your way up from when you first started playing, which was probably like most of our stories, like playground Yu-Gi-Oh, to where you are now, like you know, second place, ultimate time wizard? What what would you say was like the biggest thing you did to help you get there? So it's funny because, yeah, I mean, I remember the very first time I ever played Yu-Gi-Oh! It was with uh, my cousin. And my cousin, he told me about like Yu-Gi-Oh! cards and we were playing like Kaiba Yu-Gi and I was playing Yu-Gi's deck, which if you played Kaiba Yu-Gi format, then the Yu-Gi deck was the inferior deck because at the end of the day, 25 is not stronger than 3K 
And like, that's all there is to it, right? So, but <laughs> I wanted to be the protagonist, right? And I started off just like that. But over time, I stuck with it. He didn't because, you know, he kind of outgrew it. And that's kind of probably what happened to maybe a lot of our friends. Maybe like they outgrew it. And I continued playing it because I really wanted to become good. But what really helped me to be able to reach the finals of like the Time Wizards event and see the success that I've seen uh, recently was just grinding. And when I say grinding, I mean, I personally would play every single day, every single day. And my number one training partner was actually Stango, right? And me and him, we would just play every single day. And I had a couple other people that I would play with from time to time. Frazier was not one of them. Frazier gave me like guidance, like, you know, he would give me suggestions and things like that. But actually, Frazier, he he doesn't play Yu-Gi-Oh that much. He really doesn't. He's been playing Yu-Gi-Oh more because of like his YouTube channel and things like that. But like in preparation for tournaments and things, he actually really doesn't play that much Yu-Gi-Oh. So I mostly played all my games with Stango until I figured out like, you know, what works and what doesn't work. And it was just a consistent grind thing. And I got before nationals, I got Diva Hero to the point where it's like the main deck was ideal. So I didn't really change the main deck that much, right? So I had the main deck really, really, really like prepared for tournament, but I would always lose against Bayou Turbo and Black Wings. And one of my friends, OG, and he's actually been doing quite well recently at Edison Format too. He came in top 16 at two recent events. Um, he he beat me all the time. And I'm just like, how do you keep beating me? And I realized it was because of the traps and real oppression, Icarus attack. I mean, he plays value turbo, which doesn't play Icarus attack. But even when he was playing Black Wings, like this was another problematic card, right? D prison and Mirror Force, Torrential, like all these cards were such a big problem for Diva Hero. And I was signing Double Dust Tornado, but like it's just not enough to keep up with all the strong traps that the Vice Roku decks has. So I switched it to Decree. And when I switched it to Decree, that's when things started to change. And I really didn't lose that many sets to my friend anymore. But to say everything in a nutshell, what really helped me get to where I'm at was one, consistently grinding and testing what works in my deck and what doesn't. What can help me against certain matchups and what's not as effective? Because eventually Yu-Gi-Oh! will get to a point where you are not misplaying much in the game. But another misplay that you can make that you might not even realize is when it comes to side decking. And I think side decking is what separates a lot of like top players from uh, lower level players, right? And of course, not to insult anyone, right? I'm just speaking generally. But right, right. If you know how to side deck, it will help your matchups so much in tournament. But if you don't know how to side deck and you're just choosing random cards, then like when you go against a matchup that your deck's not strong against and you side out like 15 of your cards in your main deck and put like 15 in, right, your whole side deck basically, you're still not going to win. And you're going to wonder, well, why am I not winning? Well, it's because you oversided. You drew all your side deck cards and you didn't draw any of your main deck cards and now your deck doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? So it's like you have to find that right balance. And then even when you do find that right balance, you also need to put in cards in your side deck that cover a wide range of matches. Because let's say you're weak against Gladiator Beast. You have 10, deck, 10 cards in your side deck for Gladiator Beast, like GB Hunter or whatever, and you never see Gladiator Beast. So it's like you really have to learn how to side deck. You have to grind to become familiar with your deck, and then you have to side deck to become familiar with your matchups that your deck naturally loses against. So that's kind of like my advice to people. But, you know, even as I spoke earlier, everyone learns in different ways. I grinded, but that doesn't mean that whoever's listened to this has to grind and be on Dueling Book every day. You can learn just by, you know, watching YouTube videos. You can learn by just uh, playing a few games, or you can even learn by listening to this podcast, right? There's so exactly. many different ways that you can learn that can help you excel. But you have to put yourself in a situation where you're constantly learning each and every day. And one of the best ways to learn, in my opinion, is also going over your replays, right? A lot of people, when they lose, the first thing that they think of is, oh, I got sacked. 
right? And like sometimes yeah. in Yu-Gi-Oh, trust me, you do get sacked. You definitely get sacked. We've all had that moment, right? Oh, but yeah. like, oh, yeah. it shouldn't be the first thing that comes to your mind. The first thing that comes to your mind is, should be, what could I have done better? And that's why I love Dueling Book, right? Another reason why I grinded on Dueling Book because you can see the hands and things like that. Now, of course, that comes with the problems itself. Like it comes with like hindsight bias because when you can see what your opponent has, then of course you'll begin to think, oh, why didn't I do this play, right? But you can still learn a lot from your replays to see what you did wrong. And the more and more you watch your replays, you realize that, oh, I actually misplayed. Actually, I had lethal here and I didn't even see it. And it helps to watch your replays with someone else who can see things that you might not see. Because there are games that even I've won. Like I've I've won and I've gone back and I've watched them. I was like, oh, I misplayed here. I should have did this. Or by doing this, I put myself to lose to, for example, like brain control, right? So you always have a chance to improve, but you need to seek out those ways that you can improve. So I'll just summarize it very quickly because I know I was going on a, a long rant, but one, you should know your deck, know your matchups, know how to side deck, watch your replays. This is how you can become a better duelist. Great. That's awesome. That's really good advice. I I know exactly what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Um, I would watch a lot of my War League replays and try to uh, analyze those. And sometimes it'd be like you said, like matchups that I won, but I misplayed. And I'm like, dang, this doesn't even feel good that I won anymore. Like, because I want to, just because I misplayed one that time, the next time I could do the same thing and lose. Yep. I was doing this. I was doing the same thing the other night. I was I was testing out. I was testing out a few decks. It's like trying to think, like really just trying to gear up for the uh, gear up for the five k. Uh, I was I tested like Value Turbo, Blackwing, Diva Hero. It's like a whole bunch of different stuff, and I like I I would win. I was winning a lot of the matches, but like I I would still go back and like look, go back and look at my replays to see what I could have done differently did i miss did i miss game on a certain turn did i set myself up to get brain con did i like like did i miss like did i misplay did i like miss sequence something like stuff of that nature yep and that's why you know it really helps watching your replays as i said right with also someone else too because sometimes there are different types of misplays right there's a misplay that you don't even realize that you did that's the worst misplay because you can't even learn from it. Because how can you learn from it if you didn't even realize you made a mistake? There's right. the misplay that you do where immediately after you do it, you realize that you misplayed. So for example, like uh, a missequence. And as soon as you play that card in the wrong order, you're like, oops, now I'm in a situation where I put two cards on the field and I can get Icarus attack. You know what I mean? So there's that misplay. And the last type of misplay is the type of misplay that you realize later. And that misplay is good because at least when you go back and like watch your videos and things like that, like you go, oh, okay, I misplayed. And the second misplay is also not bad either because you realize it instantly, but it doesn't feel good. But that first misplay, you can't recognize it by yourself, right? So it really does help if you have, you know, a team of friends who are all trying to get better because actually this quote, came from uh it wasn't it wasn't it didn't come from my father right he's not the one who originated this but he told me this quote and it, it stuck with me and he said if you want to go fast go by yourself if you want to go far take someone else so what i'm trying to say through that is yeah you can get good by yourself and you might get good quickly by yourself but if you really want to go far you got to have a strong team of people with you who are who also have a likewise mindset. That make that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's I, that's really I, I wise. Agree, I agree with it. It, re it really is. This that's this is why you're my sensei, Cairo. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was about to say this is like probably the best episode we've recorded. Like just as far as the uh, the insight that we've gotten and everything. This is a really good episode. And we're only thirty eight minutes in or forty minutes in now. For sure. Okay. Yeah, man. I'm I'm always happy to spread the wisdom. And you know, like I said before, just 
anyone can re feel free to reach out if they have questions. Like I've had on, I've been on Dueling Book a few times and I had some fans like message me and like, hey, you wanna play? And like, yeah, you know, sure. Like I, I can take time aside to play like a fan or anyone or, hey, you have tips for improvements? Like, yeah. Like I want the Edison's team truly to get better. Yeah, we uh, we talked about, uh, we don't have to go on too much of a tangent about it, but me and Ty were talking about the other day about how we felt like, as a whole, the Edison community really wants to see its players get better and go further to make the competition greater. Whereas sometimes right. with the advanced format, you know, I feel like there can be kind of like some gatekeeping there. You know, people are paying for like Medify coaching, stuff like that, which is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like the Edison community as a whole, they're all for the most part, very welcoming to like help you get better at the game. Agreed. Agreed. Most definitely. All right, Ty, so, do you want to go on with your second question or third question? I think it's second question for you now. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's my second question. All right. Um, so we all like, so we know that an another variant of Diva hero is the Diva hero beat deck. Um, for over the summer, like you know, over the summer, that like that deck got like really popular, uh, popularized, and it was like it started seeing a lot of success. And here lately, I like I and then this just might just be me. Like it just it seems like that deck's kind of like falling off a bit. Like I know it's like decks go like and Anderson go through like rotation. You like do you feel like like what's your opinion on Diva Hero oh, Beat as a whole? Easy. You feel like Very. you feel like it's still viable? Like. Like, yeah, the problem with Diva Hero Beat, well, let's just say like this. Diva Hero Beat, in my opinion, as of now, is one of the top five decks in Edison format. I think that in Edison format, the top four decks are solidified. In no particular order, there are Black Wings, Bayou Turbo, Diva Hero Beat, and Frog Hero. The fifth deck is debatable. Some might say Diva Hero, some might say Zombies, right? The fifth deck is the fifth deck is truly debatable. So my opinions on Diva Hero B is it is a top five deck for sure. Now, the reason why it has fallen out of the limelight recently is because we need to think about the nature of the deck. All of the other top three decks have strong power cards, right? Such as the Vice Roko decks. They're a great example. They have Royal Oppression, very strong card. They have Brain Control, very strong card. They have Dark Arm Dragon, very strong card. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Whereas when you look at Diva Hero Beat, generally they don't play Brain Control. They don't play Dark Arm Dragon. They play Miracle Fusion, which is good, but like that's it. So Diva Hero Beat doesn't really have the cards that like, you can say, oh, I got sacked. Oh, my opponent had the Brain Control. Oh, my opponent had the Dark Arm. You know what I mean? They don't have these high ceiling cards. So the deck is very consistent because it doesn't have these cards, right? But at the same right. time, it can't reach the higher limits like the other decks can. And when you're in a tournament playing like seven, eight, nine rounds, I can tell you like I won, won uh, rounds because I had those high ceiling cards. I had the deck devastation virus. I had the dark arm. I had the brain control. You know what I mean? So I think that's Diva Hero Beat's problem. It is a very consistent deck, but it's not strong enough. It, I, it hasn't even won anything, actually. You know, if anyone's listening to this and I'm wrong, then please correct me. But it hasn't even won anything yet. So I just don't think it just has, you know, the cards that it needs in order to win. But it will continue to top again and again and again. And of course, if it sees more representation throughout time, eventually someone will win with it. But that's why I think it hasn't seen a lot of recent success. Okay. Um, yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely agree with that. Sorry, what, what were you saying? I was gonna say, did you, uh, did you want to go into your next question? Yeah, I can. Um, so, my next question would be, uh, if you could give any advice to anyone that's just starting out playing the format, uh, what would it be? Uh, easy, very easy. First thing you should be subscribed to the Edison Club. Second thing, you should subscribe to a true hero. That's what you should do. <laughs> Great. Short, sweet, and to the point. I love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, very easy. Um, because one, and I'll explain in detail why. I mean, it should be obvious why you should be subscribed to the Edison Club. Because 
first of all, when you truly want to get good at something, in my opinion, you should immerse yourself into it. So I'm an English teacher, as I said before, here in Seoul, South Korea. And one of the questions that I get from a lot of Americans, a lot of people who are curious about my life here in Korea, it's like, how do I teach the kids English, right? They're like, what do you do? So the way that I teach kids English here is the same way that we learned English when we were children. You simply immerse them in the environment and eventually they begin to learn words and phrases until they can construct and formulate their own sentences. Same thing with anything competitive. When you really want to dive into it, when you really want to be good in, good at it, you need to immerse yourself into it. So if you want to become, let's say, a violinist, well, then now when you go home and you listen to YouTube, you shouldn't be listening to like Drake or Taylor Swift or whatever you want to listen to. You should start listening to classical music, right? Specifically uh, violinists, right? Same thing with Yu-Gi-Oh! So now if you're just starting out and you want to become good, you need to immerse yourself in it. So listening to the Edison Club is great because you guys are going to be talking a lot about a lot of the hot topics that are going on in the community, right? And secondly, I said subscribe to a true hero because, you know, not even like to kind of like pop myself up there, but I really do think that my channel has so much information about various decks in the format. And one of my series is like how to beat and I'll have like how to beat Diva Hero, how to beat Dragon Turbo, how to beat Vayu Turbo. Like I have how to beat for almost every single meta deck in Edison format. And a lot of the times I showcase, not showcase, but rather feature the person who's most famous for that deck on my channel. So in my recent video, which was how to beat Vayu Turbo, it's me and 10 foot. 10 foot Dragon, he is one of the best Vayu Turbo players in the format. In the Dragon Turbo video, it was uh, Hydro Pump. Hydro Pump created the deck. You know what I mean? So it's like you're getting insight, not just from me, a top player, but literally from the best players who made the deck what it is today. So by listening to the Edison Club, by subscribing to my channel, right, that's how you can become a better player. Like, I don't know what else more to say about that. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. Like, I know... I like when I got into like start starting to like play Diva Hero, I I watch and I still I still go back and rewatch uh like a, like a lot of your like even like the two two three hour videos like I I go back and rewatch and rewatch just to see if there's if I can learn anything if I can learn anything uh anything else no matter how small it is like it's like it's worth it to me. You know it's really interesting because. So I mentioned about the How to Beat series, right? And Yu-Gi-Oh! players generally, they want to watch people duel. So my most popular videos on YouTube are the videos that Ty just mentioned, where it's like I'm playing in tournaments and like people are seeing my hands and like seeing how I, I play. And that's fine, right? Because I get it. A lot of people like are visual learners, right? They learn by watching things. However, you should not only constrict yourself or restrict yourself to visual learning, even learning through, you know, auditory, right? Through listening is a good way of learning too, because the How to Beat series is mostly just listening, right? So for that kind of content, a lot of people find boring. And those videos don't do as well as the tournament videos in terms of views. Now for me, I don't particularly care. I put information out there because I just want people to improve and then people can choose to listen to it or not. But Benjamin, and Benjamin, once again, is the Diva Hero player who just recently won the Time Wizard event with Diva Hero. In the Diva Hero Discord, he said, I can't believe people don't watch. I'm paraphrasing. This wasn't his exact words. He said, I can't believe people don't watch your How to Beat series because that's what I did to improve. And he said that people who aren't watching those series, they don't want to get better. And he said, I listened to it over and over and over again until I knew everything what that you were explaining and talking about so yeah i love those yeah. videos i uh i always try to watch all of them i have this thing where every time fraser uploads a video i always comment on it and i'm like sorry babe no date night because i have to watch this video <laughs> and i think i've started doing it to some hilarious. of yours yeah i've started doing it i think i did it to yours one day but sometimes it really do be like that like you know like i can't go to dinner i have to figure out how to beat black wings right now like priorities right. you know <laughs> it it's funny when uh 
Kyra, when you put out the video about how to be diva hero, it it was literally right before the uh, the two uh, K that I got top four at, and I was like, I st- before the tournament, I started dipping <laughs> and glooming. I'm like, oh no, now I gotta switch the deck. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. He, just, he didn't. He didn't gave. He didn't gave the trade secrets away. I can't be playing this right now. Yeah. And it's so funny because, like, you know, I've played people um, who have not done quite well in the Diva Hero matchup, and like, they're just like, "Oh, how do I beat this deck?" And I'm like, "The video's on the channel. Like, I'm not trying to keep anything from you. Like, you know." And that video, it took a lot for me to release because. I play Diva Hero. You know, it's literally that 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 video doesn't benefit me at all. It doesn't benefit me at all. But I did it because at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's about the community. Right. All right, Ty. Do you have another question? I have one more on the list. I don't know how many that you had. I, I've I've got one. I've got one more. Um, give me one second. Let me okay. Great. Questions back up. All right. So. Who, Kyra? Who would you say is your rival in Edison format? Like, who who is that? Who is that duelist that just pushes you to want to keep getting better? Hmm. That's that's actually a really good question. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. That's a question that I'm not prepared for at all. Hmm. Rival. To be honest, this is the thing. I don't really have a rival in Yu-Gi-Oh! And let me tell you why. There was a rival that I had a long time ago, and it was my cousin. His name is DeAndre Moore. He was the one who originally pushed me to get better at Yu-Gi-Oh! since I was a kid. And me and him, we were really close once upon a time. And he, you know, like I said, he's my cousin, so he's blood. So I'll always have, you know, love for him, despite whatever we go through personally. And he quit Yu-Gi-Oh! So when he quit Yu-Gi-Oh! And part of the reason why he quit Yu-Gi-Oh! was because I quit Yu-Gi-Oh! And I quit Yu-Gi-Oh! because I moved to Korea. So when he quit Yu-Gi-Oh! And I quit Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, that was the end of the rivalry. And then when I got back into Yu-Gi-Oh! Now, he's a bit older than me. Now, a lot of things in his life were happening to him personally. So he's not at a stage in his life where it's like he can put the time and energy to play Yu-Gi-Oh, to improve, and to do what it takes to become the best. So he was my one and only rival in Yu-Gi-Oh. And after that time, my goal wasn't to be better than a particular person. My goal was just to become the best duelist that I can be. And becoming the best duelist that I can be doesn't necessarily mean being the best. Because the thing is, no one can objectively be the best in Yu-Gi-Oh! Because you're not going to win every single tournament. And the moment someone else wins a tournament over you, then people are going to begin to speculate and say that this person is better. And a common example that has happened to me, right? And this is, of course, all up to the viewer's discretion and opinion. And to me, it doesn't matter, right? But like Oscar Rano is a great example, right? When he mm-hmm. came in second place at the RBET, then everybody was saying like, oh, he's the best Diva Hero player. And whether a person thinks he is or not, I'm okay with, right? Because I don't really consider him a rival. I consider him a great innovator of Diva Hero and I have a lot of respect for him. And I always give him shout outs and respect. But at the time, it's still we fall into this thing that I like to call recency bias, right? Because like, yes, he came in second place, but like, I also came in third place with Diva Hero at an RBT. And I also came in second place at an RBT with Black Wings. And also came in second place at Nationals with Diva Hero. You know what I mean? So the point that I'm making is you're never going to be the best in the eyes of the public, despite your record, right? You're never going to be the best. So if your goal is to be the best, then like, it's it's just always going to be subjective and i want to focus on goals that i think are attainable i just want to become the type of duelist where it's just like when i look back at my replays when i look back at my games whether i won or whether i lost i didn't misplay i play as optimally as possible and if that leads me to the point where it's like a true hope a true hero becomes like a household name cool 
But if it never becomes that, that's also fine as well. Because my goal is not to impress other people to receive validation from others, because you'll never receive validation from everyone ever, no matter what, right? You, right? And if people try to chase this fantasy, you're going to constantly be at the mercy of others. And that's not what I want to be. I just want to be a good duelist who enjoys what he loves playing Yu-Gi-Oh. So I hope that question, uh, that was like kind of a, a question that caught me off guard. I definitely wasn't expecting that, but like <laughs> in a nutshell, my one and only rival was my cousin, DeAndre Moore. And like, he's, he's not playing Yu-Gi-Oh anymore. So I don't, I don't have a rival. I just want to be the best that I can be. Gotcha, gotcha. I think to be an on the fly uh, well, answer, that was a really good answer. It de definitely was. And I can def I can definitely say you are you you are a household name in my household. <laughs> yeah, you should see the poster. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I'll ask you mine here. This is the last question that we have for you. This one's kind of fun. Um, what is your favorite Yu-Gi-Oh related memory? It could be something that happened when you were a kid, something that happened last week, just. Something, you know, when you think about you and Yu-Gi-Oh, it just always kind of just brings a smile to your face. I mean, yeah, this one is a, a lot easier to answer than the last one. I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh has brought me my lifelong friends, actually. A lot of my closest friends that I'm in a group chat with, that I've been in a group chat with for literally years, literally years, I met through Yu-Gi-Oh. And one of my best friends, like, We've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh! since we met each other in high school, you know? Wow. So it's like Yu-Gi-Oh! has definitely brought so much more than just a card game. It really is the people that you meet along the way. And, you know, even Stango, me and Stango have always been close, right? But we really became close when he started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! But we were close before then, but, like, the relationship went to another level. So Yu-Gi-Oh! really, like, I th the best part about Yu-Gi-Oh! is the relationships that it brings to uh, people. But my best Yu-Gi-Oh related memory, hands down, would be Nationals, right? Because that is Nationals was when people didn't only know a true hero. People knew who Cairo was because everybody knew who a true hero was. Not everybody, but some people knew who a true hero was, but nobody knew who Cairo was. So Nationals was a chance because when you were up against me, it didn't say round nine up against a true hero, right? It said you're up against Cairo. So that was the first time that like my name, my, my actual name was put out into the world. And just the experience of nationals as a whole, right? Having to spend time with some of my closest friends like Frazier, Sean McCabe, Adam Corey, right? Like Vinny, we all had such a great time together eating delicious food, like going out to restaurants, joking, testing. Like just the whole experience of nationals and then you know even doing well winning the black rose card not the mega giant one but the one that's been in these days used as uh like side event prize and things like that that was just my best Yu-Gi-Oh memory like nationals yeah i kind of had a feeling that was what it was i mean it's pretty hard to to top something like that because that was definitely an incredible experience for you i'm sure yeah I mean, and I just hope that, you know, and I'm sure it won't, right? I'm sure it's not just a hope. But as I continue to play more and more Yu-Gi-Oh!, like I can continue to make more memories. Just the part that saddens me, right? The part that saddens me is the best memories that you can make are the ones that happen in person. And, you know, of course, I love the online RBTs. I love all the online tournaments like Deck Devastators and et cetera, right? They're great. But you can't meet people. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, always in front of my computer. And I'm, during a lot of these tournaments, it's not like we even hop on a Discord call, right? Like, how often have you played in an online tournament and, like, even spoke to your opponent on Discord? Like, probably never. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you don't even hear the person's voice. Like, you're not physically there. But when you're physically with someone, it creates a more of an intimate connection, right? So I'm going to bring this back to Melee because I said I love Melee and I follow Melee a lot. One of the Same. reasons why, like, I love Melee so much is because before... Uh, Slippy, right? And for those of you who don't know what Slippy is, Slippy basically allowed Melee to be played online with minimal lag. Before Slippy, if you wanted to play Melee, you needed to be physically in a room with someone. And that is what I like about Melee, is interacting with the people. Like, yes, the game is fun. Of course, I love the game. I love Melee. I love Yu-Gi-Oh! 
But interacting with the people is what really gave me the precious memories of like Smash, of Yu-Gi-Oh, et cetera, of all the different hobbies that I did throughout the years. So I do hope that like as time goes on, because even Ty, the first time that the 5K was announced, he messaged me actually before it was even like announced. Actually, he he messaged me, "Yo, Cairo, they're having this 5K. You got to come out." But like, I can't because of work, right? Like, I can't just hop on a plane and abandon my job and play in a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament, right? So I can only come on tournaments like when I have holidays. But it's like I'm missing out not on the event because like if I go to the event and I scrub, that's fine. If I go to the event and do well, that's fine. But it's like what I'm really missing out on, making memories with people. So. Right. I'm um me and one of my uh me and one of my other friends, we we debate back and forth a lot about what like what which is better, like IRL tournaments or uh online tournaments. He he's real he's a real big advocate for the online tournaments because you know they're like they're free. They're for the most part they're free. You don't you don't have you don't like you don't have to go uh, you don't have to go anywhere. But for me, my like my rebuttal for him was just like the IRL tournaments are like mean a lot more to me uh to me just because like that's how like all of us like our friend group has collective have made so many memories that's one of the big key things that's kept me that's kept me in Yu-Gi-Oh is the good memories I've made with my friends like like Mike here our like all like all of our like all of our teammates like we've pretty much all grown grown up together yep I agree. I agree. And then, you know, actually, it's a good that you brought that up because I have my own opinions also about IRL versus online. The thing about better is, once again, better is subjective. Better for what? You know what I mean? Better for convenience? Because if it comes down to convenience, obviously, there's nothing more convenient than being in front of a computer, right? right. Better for making memories? Well, I mean, you heard my spiel. You heard what Ty just said, right? So obviously, in that case, IRL wins better for profit like then of course it would be the irl tournaments again right so like what do you mean by better better competition well people who say that the better competition is irl well i'm sorry to say that you are wrong you're simply wrong and the reason why you're wrong is because edison modern edison started online so the people who have been grinding the longest are the online players but not not only that, right? Because time isn't always an indicator of success, right? There are some people who can do in a few months what it took other people's years to do. So time is not always the best indicator of success. But the main reason why IRL tournaments are more difficult is because you can play players from all around the world. You're not playing a true hero at your locals. He's not going there. And but not just me, right? Even Frazier, right? Even like Ludo, even like uh any top player who lives in Italy, right? Your diamond, like there's so many good players who don't live in your area. You can just become like the playground legend, right? And for those who don't know what the playground legend is, the playground legend is basically like, you think you're so good at something, but the reason why you think you're so good is because you're the best person in your neighborhood, in your cul-de-sac. But when you step out into the world, you realize, oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was. and when you have tournaments IRL, generally the audience that is attracts are the people who are nearby. Of course, there are special events that can attract people from a wider location range, but still like, once again, like I said, I can't fly out and go to this event. So it kind of like, you know, rubs me the wrong way a little bit, right? But I know it's right. for like clickbait. When I see Keegan's titles for like his RBT events that say uh, every top player is here. And it's like, well, I'm not there. Frazier's not there. You know what I mean? But I get yeah. it because it's a strategic business move. And, you know, Keegan's a great guy and I have nothing against him. He's actually very polite. He even invited me to stay with him at uh, RBT Moreno Valley. So Keegan's a great guy. But the point that I'm making is when it comes to IRL versus online, both have advantages and disadvantages. So when someone is saying what is better, you need to think about, well, what is your definition of better? Is it better in terms of competition? Is it better in terms of making money? Like, what do you mean by better? Right. Yeah, definitely agree with everything you just said. Okay, yeah. so we're at like an hour and four minutes. So I guess we'll start winding down. Ty, do you have any uh, closing remarks? Anything you'd like to say or anything you'd like to ask before we get out of here? 
Um, well, it's all like it's always Cairo. It's always it's always a, a joy and a pleasure to, uh, to always get to hear your input and advice on things. It's like it's always you know I always learn. Like I told you earlier this week, I always learn so much from you. I've always I learned so much from Frazier. Like I like I re- really just want to you know, like thank like thank you again like for how much success you've helped me achieve this year. Oh yeah, man, no problem, man, no problem. You know, I um I'm very honored that you guys would welcome me on your channel. Like it really does mean a lot. Um, I hope that we can come again together soon. Like this was a great time. Like uh, being on this podcast and you know. If not that, at least I hope that me and you can get our video together soon. So, you know, oh, everyone listening, please be on the lookout. Me and Ty, we're gonna probably do some deeper hero videos together in the future. So, you know, it was it was um my pleasure coming on this channel and thanks, man. That's all I can say is thank you and Mike. Like I'm really appreciative of it. Yeah, of course. And we uh we could do a second part at some time, you know, like whenever we're free, we can have you on again, go over some other stuff. Oh yeah, I'm. I'd be definitely game for that. Always. All right. (laughs) Sounds good. We'll do it. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. And before we get out of here, make sure that you like, share, comment, and subscribe. And head on over to a true hero's channel and like and subscribe to him as well. So, thank you guys for listening. This is Mike from the Edison Club signing out. Until the next one.